Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Father in heaven, here we are in your presence, Father, excited for what you have to share with us. But God, what we don't want to miss today is we don't want to miss the revelation of your character, of who you are, especially as revealed in your son, Jesus, and him crucified, and the Holy Spirit bringing that out through the scripture today. I pray, God, that when we leave today, that is what will be front and center in our minds, because that's where the power is. That's where the hope and assurance is. That's where the clarity is. That's where the power is. Not in the messenger, but in the one to whom the message points. So please, Lock us in there, and may you receive all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. I thought that I was going to just have a great evening, good conversation, play some games, laugh a little bit. But sadly, by the end of that evening, I would discover that they had a different idea of what having a good time looked like. My wife and I had, we sincerely wanted to get to know the young adults at a church that we had only been to for a short time. And so we invited them over one Saturday night just for a Saturday night hangout. And it went well initially, we were, it was very chill, good conversation. We were starting to eat some pizza that we ordered and then somebody said, hey, I want to show everyone here a DVD. Got a few DVDs, wanna show everybody. And so from what we had already kind of known about these young adults, we just said, okay, I mean, we didn't think they were gonna show anything inappropriate, Bonita. And so we just said, okay, go right ahead. We, go ahead, pop it in. And what began to unfold was a series of documentary-styled videos with cheesy, uh, uh, dramatic, and suspenseful music that had all of the young adults now questioning whether we actually landed on the moon uh, or, 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 or analyzing meticulously all of the different aspects of what may have happened on September 11th. And that only a very, very few, uh, especially, I guess, blessed people had a knowledge of. And, 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 and so therefore, uh, and some other things that my wife and I really, we couldn't really tell you what, what, what really happened because we eventually slipped out of the room. But what I can tell you is that by the end of that night, those young adults came out of that room, which was in our basement, with fear and anxiety and, and a glazed over look in their eyes. And now questioning just about everything. 
This was not the evening that my wife and I had in mind, Lisa. Our, our evening, our Saturday night hangout had been hijacked by conspiracy theories. And maybe some of you can relate with this experience. I see some of your heads nodding. Or maybe you have had someone that you know discreetly slip you a DVD, send you a text, send you a message, maybe through social media uh, of some information, some, some uh, uh, video, some article of, of mass deception and a hidden agenda that, that only a very few, a few select secret people really know the truth about. And you too can know it if you just watch this video. And maybe you've, you've, you've noticed recently that the kind of environment that causes these type of, of, of conspiracy theories to start popping up everywhere all over the place tends to be an environment in which there is uncertainty. Often when there is some kind of threat to a nation, especially when there is a lingering distrust of government. And this is the exact kind of environment and setting that we enter in today in Isaiah chapter 8 under the reign of King Ahaz in the southern kingdom of Judah. Now in the previous chapter, the report, the news comes to King Ahaz that an alliance is, is, is being formed between the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria to come together and attack Jerusalem in Judea. And so when that report comes to the king and the people hear it as well, everybody is, is, is now trembling in fear, and thus the stage is set for uncertainty, widespread speculation, and of course, conspiracy theories. Now what I'm wrestling with now today in chapter 8 is that this creating and this embracing of conspiracy theories as reality was being experienced by the professed followers or believers in Yahweh, the God of Israel. And I, and I just got to be honest with you, and, and you know, it, it reminds me of the young adults coming out of our basement, paralyzed with fear. And it also reminds me of many professed Christians today in our current environment. And so this begs the question then, how do we, as believers in Jesus Christ, respond to conspiracy theories? Well, I am so grateful and thankful to God that God is not silent on this subject in Scripture. Amen? And so I want to invite you now, come with me, Isaiah chapter 8, because I believe that God has a very serious message for us today in this chapter, if you'll take the journey with me today. Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse number 9. When you get there, please say, I got it. Only a few people got it. When you get there, hey, there we go, there we go. Amen. Here's the words of the Lord. 
Huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Yes, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. Watch this. For God is with us. Now, for you to understand the weight of what God just spoke through the prophet Isaiah, you've got to understand that this current uh, place that we're in here in Isaiah is at a time when Judah had turned from God and his care for his people. They had been falling away from God and they had turned to idolatry. And so God says through the prophet Isaiah, I'm going to call the king of Assyria to come and sweep through the land like a mighty overflowing flood in judgment just a few verses prior. So as you read this, it should come to you as a shock. It should come to you as a shock that God, who now in the midst of the, the, this gathering, brewing storm of, of nations getting ready to come and plan and strategize to attack Israel to attack Judah, rather, and the people there in Judah, in Jerusalem, that God would then suddenly say that there, those enemy nations, their plans are not going to succeed because God is with him. And I just believe that somebody needs to hear this today who may be falling away from God, maybe drifting a little bit away from God, or maybe you're in a situation where you feel like the enemy is attacking you in some way way that God says just because the weapons are formed doesn't mean they're going to prosper. That, that, that just because the enemy sends a, 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 whether it's a message or whether it's through some conspiracy theory or something you're perceiving, that just because a weapon is formed, God says if you would turn, if you would trust in him, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Because the first thing that we're learning here today is that when you are presented with a conspiracy theory, you need a calm confidence in the presence of God. And say it again. When you're presented with a conspiracy theory, you need to have had a or have a calm confidence in the presence of God. I'll never forget my grandmother had this calm confidence when she took a flight from New York where she was staying with my aunt and my, and my cousins and my uncle and she came down to us in Florida just months after September 11 happened. And you got to understand that this was a time where conspiracy theories were popping up all over the place about what may have really happened on that tragic day. I mean, people were, were, and many of you remember this, right? I mean, people were very reluctant to fly on commercial planes or on any kind of plane that may have someone on there that, that, that's, that even remotely looked like they may be Middle Eastern or Muslim, whatever that looks like because of the terrible, bigoted misinformation that was spreading around everywhere. And so I asked my grandmother, I said, Mamita, which is little mama in Spanish is what we would call her, right? I said, Mamita, you weren't, you weren't afraid to fly? 
And I'll never forget her response. She said, with such a resigned peace, she said, I wasn't afraid to fly. She said, because I knew that God was with me and that even if something should happen, I rest in his care. That's my grandmother's response. Now, I quickly say, do not allow this confidence that she had to be confused with a reckless, misguided neglect of common sense practicing of safety guidelines. For instance, my grandmother trusted in the presence of God, but she still buckled her seatbelt on the plane and followed the safety guidelines given for her safety and others. That's loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And so we got to understand, we need to have, see, Jesus, Jesus just before his ascension, as he's giving the great commission, where he says to go and make disciples of all nations as you are going about life, he gives us a promise in Matthew 28, if you want to go there, Matthew 28, verse 20, Matthew 28, verse 20, many of you know this by heart. He gives us this, this word of assurance coming from our resurrected King and Lord, the Christ. And he says this, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Understand that these are the last words of Jesus to us, recorded by Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew. And what does your Savior King have to say to you as his final words in the Gospel of Matthew? I am with you always, even when you receive a conspiracy theory and are triggered by it, even in the midst of national crisis, even in the midst of a global pandemic, even in the midst of cataclysmic last day events, even to the very end of the age, I am with you. I believe that's a word for people living near the end of the age, don't you? I am with you. You have the privilege of the calmness of the presence of God abiding with you. That's the word from the Lord. So how are you doing with that? How is that going? Do you have an ongoing, uh, growing or developing calm confidence in the presence of God, that God is with you at all times? As Paul would say in one of his letters, I have not arrived in perfection of this, but I can tell you that I've learned and I'm still learning how to develop this in my life. And I want to just give you two. You could probably add some additional things, but two ways you can develop, you can cultivate this, time, this kind of awareness of the presence of God with you at all times. The first thing I would say is in the daily rhythms, number one, of your relationship with Jesus, first through reading of scripture, meditating, preferably near or in nature, on what you just read, journaling, through scripture to set the course for your day. Be with Jesus, right? But here's something that I'm now learning later on now in life. Because it's not just about that morning devotion, that check-in sometimes we may approach it that way. Check-in, check-out, check. I did that with Jesus. 
I want to recommend to you, and this, this inspiration comes from the life of Daniel and, and, and even the people of, of God throughout the scripture, uh, the story of scripture. And that is that you set aside three times in your day to be with Jesus, to welcome his presence. You may want to set, set that around, maybe around your, your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. Or any other three times that you set aside throughout your day. The, the most important thing is that in that moment, you pause to breathe. Just a few minutes, you pause to breathe. Be still. Welcome the presence of Jesus into that moment. And then, this is something I recommend, and then you meditate on just one verse that you read that morning. And then you go about your day. It's not that you're only going to be in the presence of Jesus in those three set-aside times in the day, but rather those three set-aside times in the day heighten your awareness of his presence with you throughout the entire day. You see that? You see, because if you don't have this ongoing awareness and sense of the presence of God with you, you're going to be triggered to react and respond, especially to conspiracy theories the way everybody else is, of which God warns strongly against, beginning in verse number 11. Come with me now to verse number 11. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse number 11. If you're there, say, I got it. All right, now verse 11. Then, see, now, then the Lord has given me, this is Isaiah speaking now, okay? The Lord has given me a strong warning. Everyone say strong warning. Strong warning. Not to think like everyone else does, he said. Verse 12. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Amen. I want to just allow that to sit with us for just a moment. I want you just to allow what God just said through Isaiah, his strong words, to just, just sink deeply into your heart for a moment. I just believe that if God is urging us and strongly warning us to reject a certain popular way of thinking that he, that he wants us to reject, we need to sit up and pay attention. Amen? You see, because the second thing that we're learning here is that when you're presented with a conspiracy theory, you need to reject fearful thinking that sees a conspiracy in everything. That's what God's saying. Reject fearful thinking that sees a conspiracy in everything. You guys remember I was talking about that message you get from somebody through the different various means of communication, social media or email or what, right? Well, watch this. You want to be very careful when you get these type of messages, especially in social media. Why? Because these platforms have algorithms built within them and they begin to now send you automatically the same type of content over and over and over and again. What does that do? It reinforces your confirmation bias with misinformation, right? And what it does is it creates an echo, echo chamber of ideological thinking that locks you further into thinking you already want to be true. 
You begin to get further distanced from reality. Your thinking becomes irrational. And watch this, when you share this type of information, guess what? You run the risk of sinning against the Lord. You know how? The commandments say not to bear false witness. And so it reminds me, and then what happens when when you get this kind of echo chamber going, right? And, and, And there's nothing to kind of critique or challenge that thinking and provide varying perspectives. Guess what happens? You begin to put yourself at risk of being radicalized into extreme conspiracy theories like QAnon. I had a friend of mine last year who got deeply sucked into this conspiracy theory, this overarching, kind of all-encompassing conspiracy theory. Not have conversations with her. And as I'm talking with her, she sounded very anxious, very nervous all the time, and seeing a connection in everything, regardless of the looseness of any evidence. And I found it interesting that in every scenario that she shared with me, and I'm telling her this as well, every scenario that she's sharing with me has and positions Trump as the savior, the last hope and savior of the world. As in every scenario, it's the same message every single time and the same enemies every single time was just about, and the same people you can't trust every single time was just about everybody else except him. And I said, are you noticing this? And she said, yes. She says, it's in the book of Revelation. My, my ears perked up. And so I said, well, yeah, can, can you please share with me where I can find this in the book of Revelation? She says, oh, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. All of this stuff that she was connecting led up to the insurrection on January 6th. Many of the people there participating in that insurrection at the Capitol believing that this was of God, that that, that doing it in the name of Jesus, thinking and confusing their conspiracy theory with the actual fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Hello. And this is the problem with conspiracy theories, especially when coming from Christians, is it actually undermines the legitimate prophetic word of God. You can only cry wolf so many times before you lose all credibility. There is a specific purpose for the prophetic word of God, and Jesus gives it to us in John chapter 14, verse 29. John chapter 14 and verse 29. He's there at the Last Supper with his disciples. These are his last words in the Gospel of John before the cross. And in John chapter 14, verse 29, context there is what he's saying about Judas betraying him, but it's a principle that we'll find applies to all prophecy. Watch this, verse 29 of John 14, and Jesus himself says, it's coming from Jesus. He says, I have told you these things before they happen. Sounds like prophecy, right? Before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe, i.e. trust in me. This is the purpose of prophecy. Jesus is laying out a clear principle here that that biblical prophecy, watch this, the purpose of biblical prophecy is to anchor our faith in Jesus to sustain us through its fulfillment. 
and not paralyze us with fear. You see, because this is the fruit of the conspiracy theory. There's only two options, fear or faith. And God has not given us the spirit of fear. So who has? What is the spirit and the fruit of the information? And so when Jesus now, if you want to go over to Luke 21, 26, Jesus now, Luke 21, verse 26, Jesus now, when he is describing the events of fulfillment of prophecy leading up to his soon second coming, when Jesus is describing it, Jesus now describes the condition of those whose faith is not anchored in him in the, during the fulfillment of prophecy. And here's what he says, men's hearts failing them for fear and expectation of the things coming on the earth. He'll say elsewhere, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Faith in what? In him. In him, the person. This is why God so strongly is calling us to reject this kind of fear-based thinking because then it frees us up to think critically from a Christ-centered biblical perspective. And here's some tips just to help you do that. Think critically. You want to, watch this, any, any conspiracy theory that's presented to you or any kind of misinformation or whatever, it comes to you, here's what you want to do. You want to do some things. You want to first be aware of your own biases. Be aware that you have biases. We all do. Okay? You have your own. Be aware of it and its tendency to lead you to confirmation bias. Don't just read a headline, read the article. Look up the source. Go to the website. Look for, read up about the publisher, read up about the author. When you do this, you want to also ask yourself, is this a strong argument or a weak argument? Is this, look for the replication of publication, meaning, is this same source available on multiple sources and platforms, or is it only coming from one source? Because if it's likely just coming from one source, the tendency, the likelihood that it's legitimate is far less if it's just coming from one. Look for a clear presentation of logical reasoning versus the sensational, over-the-top type of language. You want to ask yourself the question, and, and, and this is okay to do this in this context, question the intent of the author. Ask yourself the question, why are they presenting this to me? And if you can, look and see if you can find out who's funding the information that's coming to you. Just a few tips to help you to sort through conspiracy theories, misinformation, fake news. Because God, listen, God does not want us to be riddled with fear, but anchored in faith. But what's interesting is in verse 13, he says, okay, I want you to forget about these conspiracy theories, but there is something I want you to fear. Go to verse 13. What are you saying, Pastor CJ? What is God saying? He, he says, don't fear, but then he says, fear? That doesn't make any sense. 
Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, the Bible says, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13, make the Lord of heaven's armies, your version may say, the, the, the Lord of hosts, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy or set apart in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. Your translation will say he will be a sanctuary to you, a safe place, a rock of refuge. Doesn't that sound paradoxical? Doesn't that sound contradictory? How are you supposed to tremble in fear before the one who keeps you safe? Lord Jesus, have mercy, please. Hear this today. That when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it is not equivalent with being afraid of God. The fear of God is to live in reverential awe and wonder at his character of love manifested in Christ. To to fear God is to love and respect him enough to want to live in harmony by the power of the Holy Spirit with his commands and to abide in the, the peace of his presence. And so the third thing that we're learning and the final thing that we're learning today is that when presented with a conspiracy theory, guess what? You need to shift your focus to revering God who keeps you safe. Revere God who keeps you safe. The famous preacher evangelist from England, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement by which our our co-founder of our movement uh, was a part of that movement in the early part of her life recounts the story where he is on a ship in the Atlantic Ocean and there is a deadly storm that they find themselves in. And and in the midst of this, there is a group of Moravian Christians that are there huddled together with their families. And he is, they're there in perfect peace and calm. In the midst of this rocking and, you know, it reminds you of some of the biblical stories of storms like in the gospels. And he is shocked at their serenity. And so he asks them, he says, aren't you and your children afraid to die in this storm? And, they, and what they say to him will change the course of his life from then on. Because he, he is this famous evangelist now, scared for his life. And they say to him, we're not afraid of this storm and we're not afraid to die because we believe in the presence and the protection of God and we teach our children so. Wow. You see, they feared God more than they feared a storm. The text says to make God holy in your life. In other words, make the relationship with him special in your life. Because he's the one you should not be afraid of. He's the one you should revere with awesome wonder because he's given you mercy that you don't even deserve. He's given you grace. You don't deserve an ounce of it. And what happens when you, rev- what happens when you focus on conspiracy theories? Guess what you're doing? You're revering the conspiracy theory and you're making that holy in your life and not God. And God is saying, that's idolatry. You need to make me special and holy in your life because I'm the one that keeps you 
safe, both now and through Christ for eternity. Make God holy in your life. Shift your focus, family. Abide in his presence in calm and peace. This is, a, this is a strong message from the Lord. It's a warning from the Lord today. He says that when you're presented with conspiracy theories, you need calm confidence in the presence of God. And you need to reject fearful thinking. That, that fearful thinking that, that, that caused you to see a conspiracy in everything. And he says, shift your focus to, revere, to revering me because I'm the one that actually has promised and shown up in your life. I'm the one that keeps you safe. Because Jesus here wants us to rise and not stumble. You want to know about that, that, that language there in verse 13 and 14 that talks about the, that he's, he's going to cause you to stumble. That's actually prophetically pointing forward to Jesus. I don't have time to go to the passages that bring that up. But Jesus is the rock of offense. A stone of stumbling placed in Jerusalem by God, the prophet says. Why is he saying that Jesus is a stone of stumbling? You want to know why? Because Jesus, to those who trust in him, is a rock or a sanctuary of safety. Both now and for eternity. When you're in Christ, you're safe. Both now and during the plagues of the last days, right? You're safe in Jesus. But to the one who refuses to anchor their faith in Jesus, but instead are induced and steeped in fear through conspiracy theories or the like. He becomes a rock of stumbling. To he who falls on the rock, coming to Jesus broken at his feet at the cross, finds grace and mercy. But to he that the rock falls on, Jesus says, shall be grounded, grinded to powder. Why? Your loving God is eternally patient, He's merciful. He's long-suffering. That's what love does. But ultimately, God has to bring evil to an end. Ultimately, justice cries out like the blood of Abel from the ground, and he has to do something. And if you meet Jesus in that posture, your Savior King becomes a judge. When really he just wants you to receive him and his love and his grace. The choice is yours today. How will you respond? Where will your faith be anchored? I pray it's in Jesus. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story 
of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.